the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. But as for you, teach the things which are in agreement with sound doctrine, which produces men and women of good character, whose lifestyle identifies them as true Christians. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, in steadfastness, Christ-like in character. Older women, summarily, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor addicted to much wine, teaching what is right and good, so that they may encourage the young women to tenderly love their husbands and their children, to be sensible, pure, makers of a home where God is honored, good-natured, being subject to their husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. In a similar way, urge the young men to be sensible and self-controlled and to behave wisely, taking life seriously. And in all things, show yourself to be an example of good works, with purity and doctrine, having the strictest regard for integrity and truth, dignified, sound, and beyond reproach in instruction, so that the opponent of faith will be shamed, having nothing to say about us. Urge bond servants to be subject to their own masters and everything, to be pleasing and not to talk back, not stealing things regardless of value, but proving themselves trustworthy so that in every respect they will adorn and do credit to the teaching of God our Savior. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. Now, if you find some of this offensive to your contemporary sensibilities, you may want to have a chat with the author, who is the Spirit of God. These verses address both age and gender, and what behavior is appropriate for the believer. Let's look at verse 1. Verse 1, But as for you, teach the things which are in agreement with sound doctrine, which produces men and women of good character, whose lifestyle identifies them as true Christians. Now, this is Paul writing to Titus, but I will say that that should be the charge to every pastor and teacher. Because if they're not looking to affect them in the life of Christ, to move them towards walking in truth, then they're simply preaching and teaching religion 
that these people have no real interest in and will live at their convenience. That's not what we're about. Go ye therefore and make disciples. That's not just about evangelism. That's about growing people in truth. And if the church isn't growing people in truth, then they're not a part of the true body. We need to think about that. Paul, in the beginning of this section, starts with the word but. He is referencing the close of chapter 1. In verse 16 of chapter 1, he is describing the false teachers and the heretics. And Paul writes in Titus 1.16, They profess to know God, to recognize and be acquainted with Him, but by their action they deny and disown Him. They are detestable and disobedient and worthless for good work of any kind. Now, the Greek translates that they profess God. In other words, they profess to know God. But again, this is not about the knowing. This is not the same knowing that is uniquely ours to possess as believers. We have a different knowing. And it is only because we're children of God and possess the Spirit of God that we have the capacity for this kind of knowing. It is only because we're in union with the Spirit of God that we can be in the knowing of intimacy. It is unique. To Christians. In verse 1 of chapter 2, Paul calls Titus to teach how to live a life that is the fulfillment of sound doctrine. How to live a life that is the fulfillment of sound doctrine. This teaching of the Word of God, when practiced, will manifest the character of God. That's my paraphrase. Now, the Greek doesn't actually translate teach, and this is interesting. It is the Greek verb, which is laleleo, which means to talk, present tense, keep talking about, to live a life that is in line with the truth of true doctrine, keep talking about right behavior. This is, a nor- this is in normal conversations. It's about helping people to apply truth to their living. This is what Paul stresses in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. He says, We have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the Father, we too might walk habitually in newness of life, abandoning our own ways. Or Galatians 5.25, if we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, moral courage, or conduct empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what he's talking about is the normal context of your conversation, of your communication, of your daily talking, is that context which ascribes everything to the glory of God. Everything in dependence upon the power and life of God. So that I don't come and give you a bunch of information about my life, and I do not mention that my life is Christ. It's not my job. It's not my sickness. It's not my sister-in-law who's getting a divorce. It's not any of the things that would pull your attention to a man-centered thinking. It doesn't put its focus upon man. It puts its focus upon Jesus so I can turn it and say this. The Lord has provided for me through this job. He has been my provider and blessed me in this. The Lord has 
been with my sister-in-law, though she has not yet figured it out. Or my brother-in-law. The Lord, the Lord has got to be the context of your conversation. And this is what he's saying. If you in a church body are not allowing Jesus to be the context of your conversation, you got a whole lot of wasted air. Because we are here, you read through the Word of God, we're here to affirm one another in truth. Am I affirming you in truth if I make my illness or my job or my situation or somebody else's the focus, am I? Only if I put it in the context of God's sovereignty and His love. Only then, only then am I affirming the truth. Otherwise, I'm just giving you some more man-centered piffle to carry around. All right. And of course, he does that all through Ephesians. And then in Colossians, Colossians 2, 6, he says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin. You see, walking in it. What that means is living in it. You can be walking in it by sitting in that pew. Walking is living. Paul doesn't let up in his epistles or his life. He exhorts us as believers to live the truth in order to know the truth. We have to live the truth in order to truly know the truth. If you haven't gotten that down yet, I talk to a lot of people and they come in, they say, you know what, I just really want to know the truth. And then we begin to talk and I realize that what they've got is an understanding of truth and they want a new understanding because the current one isn't working. Well, you know what? The problem is not a new understand, the need for a new understanding. Maybe, maybe not. The problem is, is they need to know who the truth is and what is the life it's given him. Who they are in Christ. So that they can begin to understand all that God has done and completed for them. Paul is telling Titus, make it the way you talk. It should be the subject of normal conversation. Verse 2. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith and in love and in steadfastness. Christ-like in character. Now, Paul begins calling out the older men, or aged men, depending on your translation. And the word that he used there is presbytes, and that's where we get our word for elder from. And that's not about the position of leadership, but age. It's about age. And uh, Hippocrates, the ancient Greek physician and the origin of the Hippocratic Oath, uh, he had age all boxed up. He said men's ages are in six different categories. Well, what we're talking about here is actually the sixth age, which is represented in, in uh, by definition by gray hair. It didn't say white or silver, so I think I'm mostly out of that one. It says it is believed to be men over 60. Unfortunately, age is not an indicator of spiritual maturity, but it should be for the believers walked with God. We all know people who are older in years, who have a very shallow relationship with the Lord. Now, here's the thing. I've said this before. You're born, you're born into helplessness. You're born into absolute dependency. As an infant, you can do nothing for yourself. And guess what? 
The older you get, the closer you get to the way you were born. Now, what do you think? What do you think is God's wisdom in that? To take us from dependency to dependency. Perhaps we should learn the truth of this life somewhere in between. That we were made for dependency. That we can walk with Him now. Enoch walked with God and then he was not. That picture right there is enough for us to know that what God desires from us and for us is an intimate relationship with Him that's not lived on Sundays and Wednesday nights or Saturdays and Thursday nights. It is lived every moment of the day so that we walk with Him. And that's not having gooey feelings all the time. That's not leading someone to Lord all the time. It's not all the spectacular moments. It's just breathing in and breathing out, recognizing that God is there. And the enemy wants you to move your focus off God and put it on yourself or another man. He wants you to feel every time you come out. Do you ever get this idea? You, you know, you get busy during the day. You're not thinking about God. You're just getting through the day. And then, and then all of a sudden the enemy comes along and says, you know, you haven't prayed all day. Oh man, I'm condemned. Well, yeah, you should be. Listen, I want to tell you something. God walked with me every step of the way. And if you want to answer the enemy, you say, you turn around to the enemy and say, I am always in prayer, for he forever makes intercession for me. I live in my Savior's prayers. I cohabitate in his prayers. I'm not absent from prayer. And let me just regain the truth of my life. And that is that He is here. He is with me. And I am walking with Him. And I've walked with Him all day long. I don't care if you're a child of God. You may have had the worst day of the week. You may have done something that you feel absolutely ashamed of. And you're just sure God's shaking His head or wagging His finger. But let me tell you something. He took care of all of it at the cross so He could walk with you moment by moment, even this day, your worst day, he has been right there, intimately connected with you. It's time to get into participation with that presence. That's all I'm talking about. Amen. Yeah. All right. Older men should be temperate, not given to overindulgence is what he's talking about. Overindulgence in the appetites of the flesh. In that day, older men were often overindulging in wine and food. And some of your translators may even have written sober, dignified. That means reverent, inviting the respect of others. Grave, which does not mean grumpy killjoy or self-righteous judge. It means someone who walks with an awareness of God's presence, just as we all should. Then you see that word sound in faith. It is a a life that is characterized by an abiding trust and acquaintance with God, unshakable, unwavering, absolute trust and dependence upon God. And that is a maturity of faith that is derived by experience. And you listen to David as he talks to King Saul, and he says, I know I can take that giant because my God took the bear, and my God took the lion, and my God goes before me. And how how dare this guy speak against the armies of the living God? He's, I know he's the living God because I've been with him on the hillside. Because we herded sheep together. I know he's the living God. That is the benefit of experience. 
That is what we are called to. So that we have the confidence of faith. Living by faith, in faith, confident of faith. Well, faith is simply this. I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed. Even if I go all day without thinking of him. Unto himself against that day. Oh, he holds it more precious than you do. He embraces it with love. The only love that God has, unconditional and full and free. Sound in faith, walking in the maturity of faith. Sound in love. And yeah, that's agape. That's something you don't generate in your flesh. That's something only he generates. It is a confident manifestation of God's love. Soul, sound in steadfastness. That is endurance. No matter what God allows in your life, no matter how weak or feeble you may become in your age, you will endure in faith and in the strength of the Lord. You will not give way to self-absorption. You will yield to express the life and character of Christ, that His strength may be perfectly expressed in your weakness. That is the walk of the older man and woman. Verse 3, older women, summarily, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossip, not addicted to much wine, teaching what is right and good, so that they may encourage the young women to tenderly love their husbands and their children, to be sensible, pure, makers of a home where God is honored, good-natured, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Here Paul addresses older women. The word reverence speaks of a holy life in which their lives are lived unto the Lord. Now, that word, if you take, if you go to the Greek and look at it, it actually is a word that describes women who served in the temple. They served at the altar, not at the altar, but around the altar. Okay. Now, this behavior that is complete in complete contrast to the reverent life that God has called older women to. What Paul is naming are the fruits of an undisciplined, spiritually immature woman that lives to the flesh and will not know the fullness of life that God has given them. Malicious gossips are always bearing witness of the flesh, either their flesh or somebody else's. In an attempt to slander others, they reveal their own desperation for significance and the bankruptcy of their faith. Addicted to wine, a person who lives to the flesh needs the coping mechanism of the godless. Then Paul tells them why they should forsake such things. They have a role to play. Now look at the verse. Teaching what is right is not about teaching in the traditional sense, but it's about the ministry of Christ being set forth in your behavior and your attitude. Now, in living out the truth, they will be an encouragement to young women who are learning how to be where these older women have been. That's their job. That's what Christ wants to affect through them. These older women are to be a living testimony of faithfulness of their God. So that they may encourage young women to love their husbands and their children. Now I do a good bit of counseling. 
And it's incredible that husbands and wives really don't have a clue about what it means to love one another. They really don't. They know very little about biblical, supernatural love. They are stuck in their selfish definitions because they have not seen anything else demonstrated. Did you hear me? They haven't seen anything else demonstrated. What are they looking at on television? What are they looking at in the relationships around them? Love for the Christian is supernatural. It's not too late for the older ladies to demonstrate supernatural love for for their husbands and to give up performance-based acceptance. Think of what impact that might have in your family and the families of your children. To be sensible, pure, makers of the home where God is honored. Now, that's not just about being a housewife. That's about establishing an atmosphere in your home where, by example, you invite the reverence of the Lord, where His presence is the context of your interaction with your family. This is not just the responsibility of the husband. If you're waiting for your home to become a place where the Spirit of God is felt and known for your husband to bring it about, then you're unbelieving to begin with. You should be walking in the truth that if you will yield your life, that you are the ministry of Christ. You are bringing forth the truth in that place. You are the aroma of Christ. And you can quiet the restlessness of youth. You can quiet the lies and disturbances that the enemy wants to bring through the television. You can literally make your home a place of worship by putting your focus upon him and walking in obedience to truth. You can do that. It would be nice if the man would do it too. But don't wait around. This is not about ordering anything. This is about yielding your life. You may not have a husband in the flesh. You may be a widow. You may not have a husband at all, but you have one in Christ. Being subject to their own husbands, he says. Now, we covered this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and Paul is not suggesting in any way that women are inferior to men, but they do have a different role. 1 Corinthians 11.3 But I want you to understand that Christ is the head, authority over, of every man, and man is the head of woman, and God is the head of Christ. It is a position that is subordinated. I don't think anyone here would suggest that Jesus, the Son, is in any way inferior to God the Father, for they are equally God, but The son was subject to the father and obedient in all things. And that's what we're talking about. An equality and a freedom in Christ that allows you to be obedient. You see, stepping forth, again, obedience involves faith, doesn't it? Without faith, it's not obedience. So, depending upon the condition of your husband, this might require a lot of faith. But recognizing that your husband's right decisions or wrong decisions are not going to devastate what God has planned for you. God's not going to go, oh, you know, I just so wanted to bless Sabra, but that idiot she's married to, he screws up everything I'm trying to do. Do you, can you hear God saying that? No. If you're in a bad situation, bad marriage, it doesn't matter. 
Christ humbled himself and washed the feet of every one of his betrayers who were supposed to be his close friend. How about a reverse in paradigm there? Your humble submission is part of your testimony of truth before men. Verse 6. In a similar way, urge the young men to be sensible and self-controlled and to behave wisely, taking life seriously. So we're back to Paul's instruction to Titus. Teach young men in the same way to deny the appetites of the flesh and to live in a way that will affirm the truth within them. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit, which means to yield to the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and the life that will be manifest is the life of the new creation, expressing the character of God. Teach them to train their souls to embrace truth. That's what he's saying. Now look. Self-control in the minds of most Christians is very man-centered. They're going to somehow get control of their flesh. Well, how many of you have been successful? Can I have a witness? It doesn't happen. There is a false self that you need to completely deny. And then there is a true self that has been made in the image of God, that shares the mind of Christ, that shares the heart of God, that is literally created for His glory. And you need to indulge that one. You need to yield to that one. Because that's who you are. That's the truth of who you are. The other one? Not so much. That isn't you. If you're a child of God, that rascal's been put to death. He isn't alive. Teach them to train their souls. To embrace truth. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.